ghost guns, a um, couple of things going on with gun control. One of them is ghost guns. Uh, one of the more difficult gun control battles, I would think, for authorities to win. In fact, I don't know how you would win it. Um, ghost guns essentially are guns that don't really exist, in, you know, officially, right, in terms of tracing them. They have no serial numbers, things like that. They're basically made from, you can assemble them from individual parts, or in some cases, people use 3D printers. Um, police in the U.S. and Canada say they're turning up more and more often. The U.S. Justice Department saw 19,000 ghost guns seized in 2021 alone. So, I mean, they're out there. RCMP says, yeah, we've seen them. How many? Don't really know. This is part of the issue. Nobody really seems to know. Um, let's find out if uh, Rod Giltaka has some ideas. He's the head of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. We've spoken with him before. Rod, thanks for joining us again today. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Sam. You know, we've talked about gun control before, and you know, when you talk about ghost guns, I mean, how do you can this? That's a, that's a really special category. I mean, is it possible when you talk about gun control and ghost guns? It seems like where did, would you even start? Right? Can you control these? Well, I, I don't think you can. And that obviously ghost guns present a very unique challenge to law enforcement because these guns are not uh, there. You, you can't track them. It's my understanding that a lot of these uh, these handguns that are illegally manufactured have smooth barrels, whereas a, um, a regular gun that is durable has a rifled barrel, has spiraling grooves cut down the bore of the barrel to cause a projectile to spin in flight. Right. Well, ghost guns have smooth barrels, so you can't even really match a bullet that you may find at a crime scene. Oh, I didn't know that. You're able to obtain it, yeah. So there's there's a lot of challenges, and, and I, I think a lot um, is made of the 3D printer aspect of things, but yeah. again, you have to you have to pull the focus back and, and say, well, if criminals are making good profit doing that, even if somehow you're able to get rid of all the similar con- conversations we have to guns in general, even if you were able to get rid of all the 3D printers, yeah. Criminals have the cash flow to buy milling machines and make real guns out of real materials. So it's a, it's a criminal it's a criminal problem, really. At the, at the end of the day, like so many other things. Um, but when we talk about these guns in particular, I mean, there's there's no law against owning the blueprints or the instructions on how to make one of these guns. As you say, there's no rules against having a 3D printer, and I don't think anybody's talking about doing that. So, in in a way, um, when we talk about trying to regulate this. There's not even a starting point. Like it's the wild west in a lot of ways, isn't it, Rod? Well, it it, it really is, and there there is some talk about making the uh, to have those files, the, the CAD files or whatever they are, the program files on your computer, a criminal offense, very similar to the way that uh, the RCMP handles um, pornography, child pornography um, offenses. But again, you need access to somebody's computer. Yeah, you'd have to find those files. You'd have to prove somehow that. <laughs> They're the ones that put the file. It's just, it's a real can of worms. Um, so it's, its as I said in the, uh, from the outset, it's a very unique challenge. And uh, I think the only way around it is you have to deal with criminal violence because, uh, again, the root of the problem is the criminal violence and ghost guns are a symptom. I've seen some people say... Um you know, you can't regulate this. You can't. So, so the better solution here is increase the deterrence on the other end. I don't know how effective deterrence is when it comes to guns, um, but is that something that you think might make a little bit more sense? Like saying, hey, if you've got one of these ghost guns, that's an automatic, I don't know, 10 years. Well, mandatory minimums have been um, a topic of a lot of debate yeah. in the last uh, eight years, uh, for sure. But deterrence, you know, it's funny because um, in the Liberals' Bill C-21, 
Uh, the liberals, it's, it's all, 95% of it is aimed at people that are members of shooting clubs who aren't doing the shooting, obviously. And they're saying, well, well, we'll wait. We're dealing with smuggling by moving the penalty from 10 years to 14 years for us to so we're, we're addressing smuggling. Mm-hmm. It's even more of a deterrence. Well, smugglers don't even know what the what the penalty is, number That's one. Thing, yeah. And the government couldn't demonstrate that, they, that anyone ever got 10 years. So um, they, if you want to talk about deterrence, you have to start putting people in jail and using the tools, the, the legal tools that they have now, because people in jail can't manufacture handguns. And I know it's, I know it's a hard line these days to say punish the people that are doing the crimes, but that, you know, we're getting to the point where that's going to have to become necessary. I think it's you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, make it just a mandatory minimum that's in place. You commit a crime, it's X number of years. You got a gun with you when you do it, we're going to throw another five years, another 10 years. I don't care what it is. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. Um, well, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, there's a lot of, sorry to, sorry to jump in, but no, that's good. There's, there's a lot of talk, um, whether incarceration, you know, results in a, in a reformed citizen, yeah, how long is too long? All this stuff, like, like I get all that. But at some point, you have a problem. What you're doing isn't working. The government's reaction is to go after everybody else for the actions of criminals. I mean, I'm living proof of that. But at some point, we have to say, all right, we have a problem. Here's a solution. We have to implement it. And, you know, yeah, some people are going to have to sit in prison for doing these crimes. But we, we tried everything else because yeah. the violence has to stop. Everyone rejects the violence. Yeah, I mean, 28 shootings in Edmonton in September. I mean, crazy, crazy. Uh, what I got to here, Rod, I wanted to ask you, we spoke with uh, the Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Association a couple of weeks ago. They were one of the people, one of the groups at the table with the government as they worked on this amnesty and buyback program. And they literally said a couple of weeks ago, I got no idea what the government's planning here. We've we, we've been given no indication as what might be happening. The amnesty is scheduled to end October 30th, as you well know. Do you have any idea what's on the way? Well, we filed for, we filed an injunction application for the court to, to force the government to extend that amnesty. They're not coming out with any buybacks in, you know, in two weeks. And no, they know no. that. It's been, th- it's been three and a half years. <laughs> you know, and we, I think we came out when this all happened, when they announced the buyback and did the, um, did the firearm prohibition on May 1st, 2020. It's like, well, you know, these people, they, they, didn't, they didn't care that they had no idea how to conduct a buyback. The evidence is conclusive. They have no idea how to do it because they're no closer today. So, the, uh, yeah, they're just going to have to keep extending the amnesty until the next election, and then they're off the hook. This is, if my, in my opinion, that's their strategy. So it's, it's a mess. It was a mess from day one, and it's still a mess. So as, as a gun owner and somebody who represents gun owners across Canada, who we know have legitimate concerns, I mean, the amnesty is supposed to end on Halloween. Well, then what happens? You're, you're not worried. They'll just extend it because there really and truly is no plan in place. Well, we sued the government for that, um, for that, uh, that gun ban. And the judge uh, in that case, who is also the same judge who's going to rule on the amnesty extension, said, uh, you know what, she's going to come out with a decision on the lawsuit by the end of this month. And that's been going for three and a half years as well. Uh, so there's, there's some pieces moving, but don't expect a buyback. That's just flat out not going to happen. And um, the government can't really make criminals out of you know half a million gun owners that own these guns that have been sitting on them for three and a half years. So um, I'm, I'm not convinced that, that uh, the gun owners will be you know, being arrested and their guns taken. But, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the mess will continue.
All right. We'll follow it along and uh, we'll chat about it again. Thanks very much, Rod. Always appreciate your time. Thank you, Shay.